Hey, I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Coconut, the one simple app you need to manage your business finances when you're self-employed with banking, bookkeeping, invoicing and tax all in one place. Get started today. Getcoconut.com slash being freelance. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for brand strategist Melinda Livesey. I realized that I actually needed a brand just like I was creating brands for my clients. I had to have one myself. I couldn't just be this designer that had a portfolio and would get hired for anything. Most of my time was on billable hours because I wasn't getting paid that much. So I needed to be working all the time on client work. And maybe I had a couple hours a week to work on marketing and I never really used it very well. But now it's a complete opposite. Knowing yourself, knowing who you are, knowing what you're good at, knowing where you want to head. And that will really help you to focus on exactly what it is that you should be doing. Yeah, so there is Melinda, who is a brand strategist and educator based in Southern California. You may have heard of her if you follow the future well, huge in the design world. We'll talk about that, no doubt. So, uh, But if not, anyway, as ever, with all of our guests, you can find links to what Melinda is up to at beingfreelance.com. And remember, it doesn't matter what any of our guests do for a living, you know, be it a graphic designer or a developer or a video production person like I am. It's all about the being freelance. So please do check them all out. There's over 200 guests at beingfreelance.com. You can also come and join the community of other freelancers from around the world. It's a lot of fun. We also have live Q&As going on in there. We have Being Freelance Book Club, beingfreelance.com. And when you're there, you'll also find a way to support the show if you'd like to. What I'm doing with Being Freelance, you can buy me coffee and biscuits uh, via the donation site Coffee. Go to beingfreelance.com slash coffee for details on that. And thank you so much to those of you who already have done that. And check out the videos and articles and more, all at beingfreelance.com. Right now, let's crack on, shall we? And chat to this week's guest. That is brand strategist and educator, Melinda Livesey. Hey, Melinda. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, as ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I studied graphic design and illustration in school. And I started freelancing right away, like probably right before graduation. I always have had freelance clients on the side. And then I got picked up and had a full-time job at Oakley. So I worked there for on and off for seven years. But while I was doing that, I was always freelancing. So I always had clients on the side. I even quit at one point and had some time of just doing freelance then and then went back to full time again, still having clients on the side. So um, yeah, that's, that's where I got my start is first going to school and then just jumping head first into it. What made you keep freelancing on the side when you were at Oakley? I always had the desire to work for myself. And so I, I would just was always drawn to doing freelance and, and I think the variety too, of having all the different types of projects. And because when you work in-house at a job, 
and you always are marketing and designing for the same type of product, it gets really boring after a while. And you're like, how many different ways can we design to try and sell this eyewear? Like it just wasn't that exciting. And so I thought, you know, freelance gave me that variety that I always wanted. And so that's what drew me to it. And then also I always wanted to work for myself. And so I think I always had one foot in the full-time job and then one foot in freelance. And I just always wanted to go full-time freelance, but was very scared to do so. But then you did. So how long did you do it for before you then went back into full time? I want to say it was about two years that so it was a few years into working full time. And then I took two years off and I just up and quit that job. But I had no I had no strategy on how am I going to get clients and how am I going to keep this going? And so I just took any freelance thing that came at me. A lot was from that full-time job too. Like I was working for different uh, departments within that company. And so I had a lot of work from there, but I had no plan of, well, how am I going to keep this going? And then that full-time job, they actually asked me back, but into a different department. So a very specialized branding department that only had a group of about four to five of us. And we worked on special projects and it just seemed really exciting. And so I figured, well, I can go back. But yeah, it was about two years that I went off on my own. So that chance to go back was also a chance to kind of, I don't know, upgrade, upgrade yourself. That sounds wrong. Oh, Upskill yeah. yourself. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And and getting paid more too. So I had a better position and <laughs> got paid more. So can't complain. How long did you do that before you then left again? I believe it was three years and then they dissolved that department. So I got laid off three years into that and I was the happiest person alive because I'm all okay. Now I can full-time freelance and I'm actually, it's getting thrown into the deep end. Now I got to make this work. Cool. I'm intrigued. What did you do differently the second time around? Yeah, that is such a good question because I did a lot differently. So the first six months I was floundering, I was going to different agencies, um, working on site, doing things I really did not like doing and marketing material that I didn't want to be doing, but I just, I didn't understand or know what to do yet. And then I took a freelance course. So a, a course that was teaching freelancers how to get started and how to brand themselves And I realized that I actually needed a brand just like I was creating brands for my clients. I had to have one myself. I couldn't just be this designer that had a portfolio and would get hired for anything. I had to pick a specialty if I really wanted to start getting more clients, pick what I'm really good at, pick what I want to do and pick the type of clients that I want to start getting. And so I branded myself about six months in, redid my website, and I positioned myself as a brand identity designer during that time. So that was a huge difference of I actually put effort into my business and into my career in in trying to guide who I'm going to work for and what type of projects I actually wanted. That was a big difference. How would you have been described before that? I would say a graphic designer. So just that generalist graphic designer that worked on anything, absolutely anything that came her way. Just to rewind back to when you were first starting out freelancing on the side, even through college or whatever, like how were you finding those clients? It was all referral based, all of it. It was through people who knew me and it was about one to two degrees of separation. So it was typically someone who knew a family member of mine, someone who knew a really good friend of mine. And they just knew, Ooh, Melinda's a graphic designer. Then 
why don't you talk to her? And so it was all referral based. And then when you went freelance that first time when you quit your job, Mm -hmm. was that still referral based? Yeah, it was slightly different because I had already established such strong relationships in that company that I knew a bunch of different people. So it was still referral based, but it was a little different because it was referral based through that company. So it was all the people that I started making relationships with. So I worked for not only the graphic design department, I worked for retail, I worked for PR, I worked for marketing, and then another design department too, the special projects design department that I ended up getting hired full-time in. Mm. So I had made relationships and networked with all of these different people in the company because this company's at, um, at that time was almost two billion dollars. So it was, you know, it's a massive company, but I had been there for a few years already. And so I had made such strong relationships there that when everyone knew that I quit and they said, Oh, what are you doing now? Oh, you're freelancing. Perfect. Well, can you actually get on hop on this project that we need? Cause we need a freelancer here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so still referrals, but it was, it was through my professional relationships. And then those people that knew me through that job had friends that needed a freelancer too. So, um, just making, making, uh, friendships and networking with people inside my, the own company I was at for years really helped. So then third time around, as it were, you rebrand yourself as a brand identity strategist. Well, uh, yeah, I wasn't even a strategist at that point. Um, just a brand identity designer. So just doing all the visual identity for, for businesses at that point, I didn't even know what strategy was. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. And, and just to put yeah. things in perspective, when was that? When, when did you step out that final time? That was 2015. What difference did that make when you called yourself a brand identity designer to how you were working? Oh, it's huge. It was huge because I was now aiming at a certain type of client. So instead of just taking, now I still took, I still took the other jobs for a very long time because I had to pay the bills. Right. But I presented myself as an identity designer because that was my ideal project that I wanted. And so just repositioning myself and showing the world hey, this is what I do. This is what I do best. This is what I can do for you or for whoever you know. That helped me actually land ideal clients. So although I was still doing the nonsense type of projects, I would call it all of the stuff that I would never put in my portfolio. It's like things I'm embarrassed about. Um, I still was doing that behind <laughs> the scenes. But um, but yeah, having that website up, having that that claim like, Hey, this is what I do. This is what I do best. I was actually landing those clients then. And so people would, that even referred me, they would see my website and then go, Oh yeah, I know someone who needs that. Or, um, I even was, I gave a testimonial to my own copywriter and I had a client find me through her website. So just getting myself out there in the world and being known as a brand identity designer, just, it changed everything for me to do that. And how else were you getting out there in the world? I'm trying to think back what I, what I was doing. So the first thing I did was get the website up, the new website, and then started talking to people. So telling people what I did and shared my website. So just simply taught even family members. They would ask, hey, what are you doing now? And I told them, oh, I just rebranded myself. This is what I do. This is who I've done it for. Here's a case study. Um, so I would just talk about it a lot, but I didn't have, oh my gosh, I did not have a social game. I did not have a blog at that time. 
So it's still, I was still writing on a lot of my connections, a lot of referrals. And then about, uh, I want to say two years into that. So 2017, I ended up as a co-host on the YouTube channel, The Future, and to be coached by Chris Doe and him helping me with my business. And so as I got more out there in the world. So getting on YouTube, he, he taught me how to up my social media game, how to put things on Behance and why I should put things on Behance and literally just getting myself out there into the world. That's when a lot of my work started picking up because now I wasn't just known within my network, my small network of family and friends, but I was getting known beyond that now, just by sharing my story, just talking about what I do and learning and learning out loud and learning, you know, for everyone to see on the internet, people just started getting to know me for specific things. So that's when I started blogging. That's when I started posting more on social media. And now, you know, I'm I'm still continuing in that too. Wow. How were you the one that was picked, as it were, to, to, <laughs> yeah. to be on the, the future? So this would have been a couple of years ago. And by the way, if you don't know the future, depending on the field you work in, you're either very aware or not, then check out the links as ever for everything I guess do at beingfreelance.com because well worth checking out. Um, yeah. How did you get on Chris's radar and then get picked to do that? It's kind of funny because I thought at that time, that I needed, which I did at that time, I needed more clients and I didn't know how to get them. So what I thought I should do was get better at my craft. So I thought, well, I'm going to go out there online and I'm going to find who teaches logo design and just refine my skill. I had happened upon Chris's content and his Facebook page. And I thought, oh my gosh, this person who taught at a very good prestigious art school, not only went there, but also taught there. He was giving away all of his teaching for free. And I thought, well, I wanted to go to that school, but I didn't have the guts to actually apply back, back when I was going into college. And I thought, well, if he's teaching all of this and he's teaching at that moment, he was teaching how to design a better logo. And I thought, well, I want to design really good logos. So I'm going to learn from him. So what I did was I was reading up on all of his posts that he had on Facebook and he had assignments and he would just post them for free. And I thought, oh my goodness, like I need to be listening to this because I wanted to go to that school and I'm getting this for free. So I spent weeks and hours, hours during those weeks of going through his assignments and and they were to, I remember the first few, it was like find um, the master's logo. So things by Paul Rand, Saul Bass and Um, find those logos by masters and trace them and do it as perfectly as you possibly can. Because his argument was if you are able to replicate something that is, is good design, then you can start deconstructing it and understand how they made those decisions. And I thought, well, I want to know how to do that. So I did those assignments. I traced the logos. And then his next assignment was to study the logo and actually just make notes about them. So see the relationships of shapes and make notes about what you see. So you're starting to train your eye. And so I was doing these very diligently, very religiously every week as he would post all of this. And he would comment back and ask, why are you doing this? Because you obviously don't need to. Cause I, I put a lot of work into them. Like I made them as perfect as I possibly could. 
And he's like, you're obviously not bad at what you do. So why are you doing this? And so we ended up messaging each other. He messaged me and asked, um, he said, do you run a studio? What's, do you run your own business? Tell me more about what you do. And so I told him, I said, yeah, I have, um, you know, I do brand identity and I just want to get better at logo design. And then we, he said, he said, uh, can you hop on a Skype call right now? And I, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. Cause this guy, he's well known <laughs> and I respect him. And, um, it was very scary. It was like jumping on a call with a celebrity and, uh, and I said, yeah, sure. I can, I can jump on a call. So he ended up giving me free coaching on that call. We talked for about an hour and a half and he just asked me everything about my business and how I was getting clients and what my roadblocks were. And I, <laughs> I was very frustrated at that time. And I said, you know, I watch your content. I watch how you say that we can charge $18,000 for a logo. And I don't know how to get there. I have, I don't know. And I don't see anywhere in your content, how you can actually give me the steps to get there. And I'm really frustrated. And so it was a really cool conversation because it was very honest and he could see that I was asking questions that he didn't even know he needed to answer to the audience. And so then I could be out a few weeks later, we set, we had a call every week. He'd call me up and say, Hey, did you do the things I, I told you to do? How'd they work out for you? And, um, he was mentoring me for free. And then all of a sudden he said, Hey, do you, what do you think about being on YouTube? And we'll bring these conversations that we're having, online so that other people can learn from it because he said you're asking questions that that I know the audience is asking but you the way that we had really good chemistry too back and forth and um mm-hmm. he said the way that you ask questions is very clear and I think it would make for a good show so as long as you're willing to be honest and come with all of the problems that you're dealing with in your business I'll help you and I'll help you you know get the clients that you need and that you want and um and all I ask is that you're utterly honest with what you're going through. And I was like, well, I can do that. So that's how, um, that's how I ended up being the one that got on the show. Wow. Yeah. And how long did that go on for? Well, it's still actually going on. I don't, I'm not on the show as much. It was, I would say about, gosh, I was on there a lot for maybe six months, three to six months. I was on there a lot and getting coached from him. I would go into the studio because it takes about a couple hours to get there for me. And I would go into the studio and we'd film a couple episodes and then I'd come in every other week. So I was on there a lot for about six months. And then I, I had to take a break because I said, like, you're giving me so much to do, which is great, but I need to go implement this. Like I need to go work on those case studies and I need to go land those clients and I need to do all this stuff. And then at that time, that was when he introduced me to brand strategy. And that's when I pivoted my services to include brand strategy. Cause I knew that that was going to be a lot more valuable to my clients than just not that it's not valuable to design the logo and the identity, but I realized that, um, I was really good at strategy and that way of thinking. And so when he introduced me to that and to help, um, clients in a new way, I also needed to learn that. So I, I told him I need to take a break and let me just implement all this. Let me actually land more clients and um, do brand strategy with them. And so then I'll come back on the show. So, um, yeah, I've been on on the show on and off for the past. It's going to be three years in June. So already it's been two and a half years. Um, and so. Yeah. When I have an idea for a show now, he goes, just tell me, tell me what idea you have and come on the show and we'll talk about it. So 
Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. But as you say, well, it's not just YouTube. It was your real life and it's your real career. So how did you find putting those things into practice? Oh man, it was hard. The first, the first four months of putting everything into practice, I didn't have any clients. And I told them, what are you, the kiss of death to my business? I learned all this stuff and then I don't have clients coming in. But it was also because I was, I was pivoting everything. I was working on case studies. I wasn't really working on lead generation and getting clients in. And I was, I was learning how to present myself and in this mud of redoing my website again and redoing even my case studies because they just they didn't portray the level of work that I did for my clients. And so, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time learning brand strategy. I spent a lot of time updating my website again and also updating the messaging that was on my website and how I talk about what I do. I also spent a lot of time Uh, working on just posting on social media. So I started posting the logo studies because I had nothing else really to post. I didn't know what to post at all on social media. And um, so that's where the majority of my time was going to. And then as I just kept posting, as I kept just showing up, even though I was learning, um, I know a lot of people are like, well, you have to create content to attract your ideal client, which is true. But I even found just being out there and just by people knowing me on the show, I was starting to get leads finally after four months. Uh, but my first lead that came in for after those four months was someone that saw me on the show. So they literally just liked my personality and they liked what they heard me say on the show. And they're like, I'd love to work with you. So it's just getting known. And so as you were trying to get yourself known then separately from just being on that channel, were you tempted to start your own, making your own videos that is, or were you doing Instagram stories? Like how, how, how did it feel when you were sharing? Yeah. Yeah. At first I was just, I was just sharing my logo studies on Instagram and I actually got a a pretty good size following just from doing that. And cause no one else was doing it at all. And so I was, um, studying the logos. I also used a lot of the golden ratio in my studies cause it helped me train my eye and to see the different, um, proportions. And so I was doing that. Nobody was doing that on Instagram. Barely. I mean, really the only other person that was doing it was Chris himself and he didn't do it to the extent that I did. And so I'd keep posting those. So I was spending a lot of time doing that. Um, and so I did gain a pretty good following with that. And then what I did, because he he kept telling me, you need to start your own show. You need to start your own YouTube show. I'm like, I don't, that's so much work. Like the production of it, the <laughs> editing of it, the just the whole, there was so much investment in it. And I said, I just would rather be on your show. But what I did end up doing during that time was I started a weekly newsletter. And that was huge because people wanted to follow along with my journey. They wanted to hear what I was doing. They wanted to hear even behind the scenes of, well, how are you implementing everything? How are you growing your business? How are you doing sales? What did you work on this week? Like they were invested now in my story. And so I have a mixture of clients and designers and a bunch of different people that just want to hear what I'm doing behind the scenes. And I started that newsletter and I have written about, I want to say I'm almost at 70 newsletters. And there was a time where 
I want to say a good eight months straight that I did a newsletter every single week. And now I'm going to go back to it, but I had to take a break from that for a little while. But, um, but that was one of the main things I was concentrating on is the newsletter and people would hear about it. They would share it too. They'd screenshot it and they would share it and tag me on Instagram and Facebook. And so I had enough of a following that, um, people were started getting invested in my own story. And, um, and so I was posting the newsletter. I then started blogging and now, um, I'm working on, I, I need to work on my process. I really do. But, um, I now, I now write newsletters. I post them on my blog. I then post the blog on LinkedIn. I also screenshot some of that and post it on stories. So now I finally am feeling a lot more comfortable in, in what I share out there in the public. But, um, but during that first time it was like, I just shared the logo studies cause that's all I had really. All of that feels like it takes quite a lot of work. How did you find the balance between actually doing the paid work and doing this other things, which is kind of growing you and growing an audience, but perhaps, you know, you don't see a, an immediate monetary return, for example. That is such, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's such a good, a wonderful question to go over with well, a big shift I had in my mindset. And it was also from meeting a lot of friends through, through that um, channel and just my network that I started to build. I learned that, and this is a huge mindset shift for me. I learned that as I was bringing more value to my clients, the more I could charge, that means that I didn't have to have as many clients but I could, I, so it started being where I was getting less and less clients, but now I was charging a lot more money. So when that happens, that means that I don't have to be on client projects as much as I used to be. So then I have all this time, but then all that time is not just time to sit around. It's actually time that I needed to invest in those things that we're talking about, posting on Instagram and getting known and getting on podcasts and writing newsletters. And I learned from one of my friends, she said, I want to say she said that that she spends spends right now even about 60% of her time doing non-billable work. That is mm-hmm. marketing. So she spends 60% of her time on Instagram on creating whatever it is if she's doing blogging, if she's doing um, newsletters. I think mainly right now for her it's it's mainly Instagram. She spends 60% of her time developing the community and, and her brand on Instagram. And so when I heard that, I realized, okay, so now things are shifting. Whereas previously, you know, in my previous life as a designer, most of my time was on billable hours because I wasn't getting paid that much. So I needed to be working all the time on client work. And maybe I had a couple hours a week to work on marketing, maybe. And I never really used it very well, but now it's a complete opposite where the majority of my time is developing relationships. It's being on podcasts, it's writing blogs, it's being on shows, it's creating my own shows. It's all of this stuff that's really free, I guess you could say. It's not, I'm not getting paid for it. But those things are actually helping me land those really big fish, those really big clients. So then you get, you know, you get a big fish and then you're able to ride on that, that one client for a month or two. Whereas previously I had to work with 12 clients to make that same amount of money. Mm. So it's a complete shift. It sounds like you're really good 
at questioning things and sort of reevaluating. How have you developed that sense of, I guess, I don't know, self-awareness or self-reflection maybe? Ooh, that's a, that's an interesting question. I know that's a question I don't normally ask. No, I love <laughs> I'm it. I'm sitting here thinking it sounds like you really have done that a lot. I do. I do. I think about my own thinking a lot. And I don't know if that's just because I'm, I'm more of a, like I'm, a, I'm an INTJ on the Myers-Briggs. I'm an observer. And uh, I, I, maybe that's just how I am, that I've always been very self-reflective. I've been to therapy. I've been to support groups. So I'm used to, I'm used to that way of living, of being self-reflective. And, um, and I think that's one thing that really drew Chris to me when he was coaching me because we are, uh, we're the same personality type too. So we're investigators, we're intuitive, uh, we're introverts and, um, having a coach to bounce all my questions off of that was willing to listen to all my questions also really helped me because he helped me, um, question the right things too. And, um, and he gave me the space to be self-reflective and ask those questions. So I think having that coach too was very, very helpful. And how about the broader work-life balance? It, um, I feel like that's always a struggle. I want to work all the time. Like it's always on my mind, always. And I have to cut myself off from either creating stuff for Instagram or writing or, so it's, it's always been a struggle for me to stop working because I just, I want to do it. I like doing it. Um, so that's, it's hard. And now at this point too, in my career, I am not only doing work for, for brand strategy clients, but I'm also teaching designers how to do it too. Cause I really enjoy teaching. I enjoy learning, implementing, having success, but then turning around and teaching someone else exactly how to do the same thing. And I feel that it solidifies what I'm doing and learning so much more because I can turn around and teach it. Cause when you teach something, you learn it so much better. So, mm. um, but it's hard. It's hard for me cause I'm then balancing essentially two businesses, one actually doing the brand strategy work and then the other teaching. And, um, and I just, I love it. I love doing it. So um, I almost have to force myself to stop, to go live life. And, <laughs> and how do you do that? Oh, man. I, uh, I live by my calendar. Like if people see my calendar, they really freak out because it's all color coded <laughs> and there's time blocks in there. So I really try to stick with the allotted time that I have to do things and then cut myself off at like 6 p.m. I try to not work past six. My absolute cutoff is 8 p.m., but I really try to do that. And then I also will plan a lot of social things with my friends because I feel like I need to get myself out of the house and present with other people because I work from home. And so it's so easy for me to just, you know, want to stay home and then like, oh, I'll just pull up my computer and write some emails. Hmm. Um, so to force myself out, I literally will plan things with friends and get myself out of the house. So that's been really helpful for me. So you book in the work and you book in the life. Yeah. And so typically I will book in my life first and then I'll book work around my life. Well, that's a healthy way of doing it. Yeah. It's helped me. It's helped me to, <laughs> to focus on my actual life. Cause otherwise I would just work all the time. How have you found like the business side 
of being freelance across these, I guess, these different stages of you doing it as well? It's hard. It's hard because I, I like at the beginning, at the beginning, when I was just focusing on the logo studies, I just wanted to do my craft. Like I didn't want to think about the business side. And I think that is a struggle for a lot of creative people is that they literally just want to do their craft. And, and I just want to do that thing. And so the business side of things, it was difficult. And I think I still have a difficulty with like the lead generation, um, I'm getting better, much better at business development. So meeting people, networking so much better, but it's just not something that that the lead gen, the business development was not something I naturally did. I had to learn how to do that and it was difficult. And then all the behind the scenes stuff, um, I've been, I like, I taught piano lessons when I was 16 and did that for about six years. And so I learned how to at least run a very small business, but, um, I learned how to handle the finances and and all of that. So I felt like I came in prepared with that kind of stuff, the behind the scenes financial things. And, Mm -hmm. but yeah, learning processes too, how to document processes. That's all been new. It's been a lot of, of a learning curve for me. You obviously had a very visible mentor with Chris when you were doing that on YouTube. And and as you say, you still continue doing that. But do you have like a, uh, I know, I guess people around your community, accountability beyond what we might see on screen, for example? Yeah, I do. So Chris has a, he has a pro group of about 300 people in a Facebook group and they get on calls with him. Um, so it's like an 80 person Zoom call uh, once a week. And so I started there and met a ton of people there. And I feel like community is such a huge thing for me now where I met most of my closest friends in that group. And then from there, I'm still in that group. I still meet a lot of people there. Um, I started going to a lot more design events, conferences, and luckily I had a lot of connection through the future. So I met a lot of people through that and just tried to go to as many design events as I could and meeting people. And so I have a really good core group of friends that I had met a few years ago in that group. And then I add to that and I, I meet more people and more people from that community. So that would be my main community that I had developed. And we, gosh, I've throughout these past few years, we've formed groups like accountability groups. I'm in a lot of Slack groups too with these people. And so I have um, I have different workspaces with friends and we'll just check up on each other daily and we'll say, hey, what are you working on today? Do you want to hop on a quick call? And so community has been massive for me to even get me to where I'm at now. And um, I had a small group of friends that I met through that pro group that we learned strategy together and how to do brand strategy. And we would go out and do it for clients. We'd come back in our group and we'd share everything that we learned with each other. So I can't stress the the idea of having a community enough. It is so important to have that, whether that is just one friend, if it'd be great to have more, you know, a a small group of friends that you just bounce ideas off of, that you ask questions, that you learn with is huge. And then from there, I actually have a mastermind group that I run that I call them my inner circle and they are my inner circle. Like I share, we all share what we're going through, the goals that we're trying to achieve. We support one another we, um, we even form an Instagram pod where if anyone posts something on Instagram, we're right there commenting and liking and being a support to each other. So yeah, there's a lot of community going on in the background that people don't see. 
That's so nice. Actually, I'm intrigued about this whole, you know, this additional, I mean, earlier on, you like called it like you have two businesses. So there's the brand strategy, but then there's the mastermind, the educating, the mm-hmm. that whole helping others do what you do. And so what, what would you say your balance is between the two? It used to be, I would say last year it was about 75% client work and then 25% teaching. And this year I'm looking to flip that. So at least be 50 to 75% teaching and then the rest of the time be clients that I really want to work with. And so that's, I'm working to pivot right now into more into teaching. Where's that come from? Is that because that's what you're enjoying? Like when, when you're thinking about that decision, because that could sound scary. Like yeah. When you're... <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy building communities because every time that I teach, I have a class, they get to know one another, they get to know me, I'm forming this really tight community. And I love that. And I, and again, I love teaching too. And I find that, um, client work, although I really enjoy doing brand strategy, I really love working on branding. It it's really tiring. Client work is extremely tiring for me. And I find that I'm much more energized by teaching. So that's how I'm looking at things. And then I figure, well, the client work that I actually do get, it's stuff that I really want to be working on. And then I can also practice what I'm teaching, like right at the same time that I'm teaching it, then I have those clients still that that I can learn from and and teach. But it's just, it's pretty exhausting for me to, um, to do client work. And I also realize that when I do teach that I'm my own client. Now I can decide how do I position myself in the marketplace? I'm not tied to my email at all anymore like I was with client work. And it is, if you've never had that feeling, it is an amazing feeling to not have to check your email. You're like, literally there's some days where I'm like, I don't feel well. I'm not going to go, I'm not even going to work today. And I don't have to work because I'm not tied to that client work anymore. And it is, it's an amazing feeling to be your own client. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me, Melinda? All right. The first one is my first freelance project was for a local magazine. My second one is I turned down a graphic design job with the CIA, so the Central Intelligence Agency. (laughs) Yep. And my last one is that I absolutely hate cats. Local magazine. What was the name of the magazine? It was the Orange Coast magazine. So one, a local one down here in Southern California. And CIA, what would you have been designing for the CIA? I would have been designing the presidential daily briefing. I would have also been designing some like infographics for analysts. Okay. And what's the beef with cats? Well, there was a cat that my family owned. I want to say my family because I did not like that thing. And it would attack (laughs) me when I was a child. It would hide around corners and wait for me to walk by and attack me and scratch me all the time. And I've never liked cats since. Fair enough. What was its name? Champ. (laughs) Okay. If the CIA is a lie, you came up with those two examples very convincingly. 
The only thing I don't quite get is, obviously, I don't know what a presidential briefing looks like, but I can't <laughs> imagine it needing to be designed every day. Um, local magazine, I mean, it's plausible, totally. Cats, likewise, champ, sounds like he existed and caused you <laughs> grief. Unless, of course, that's a lie because actually you adore cats and even now you're known as the cat lady of Orange <laughs> County or wherever <laughs> and you have about 10. So... That could be no. I'm. I no. I'm going to say CIA is the lie. Is that your final answer? Yeah. You're wrong. <gasps> <laughs> You're the cat lady. No. Oh. <laughs> I actually made a cat hater survival kit. That's how much I <laughs> hate cats. Like I made a concept project with a friend last year. <laughs> And you can go and, and find it online. And we made a prototype because we literally hate cats. So, it no, really a magazine. No, I did not. My first freelance kick was not a local magazine. Well, I'm so glad that that's the lie in a way because the other two stories are great. <laughs> yeah, and I did get offered a job when I was 23. The CIA came to my college and it was after I graduated and I we had heard, my friends and I had heard, oh, they're coming to recruit. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to try to do that. Why not? And so I interviewed and I got offered a job. And that's those are the things that they told us that we were going to do. Like you get sent to analyst school for four months. So you understand what the analysts do. And then, yeah, the presidential daily briefing, I don't even know what that would look like, but they, it was designed. It's designed for the president every single morning, or I guess it would be the designed, you know, the night before. Um, yeah. Wow. Super random and weird. And then I got through half the background check and I realized that's not what I wanted to do. And, I, and nothing I did for that job or what I would be doing for that job, I'd be able to put in my portfolio so you know <laughs> yeah that's a very yeah. good point <laughs> yeah i'm probably you, not gonna do that brilliant now when there is so much in front of you that you could possibly do how do you decide what to focus on how do you stay focused oh gosh that's like how, yeah how do creatives stop the shiny object syndrome <laughs> yeah i mean you said you cut you're always thinking about work you want to work you stop yourself working but how do you choose what to work on yeah, I first I try to understand who who am I? So I actually had friends do when we were learning brand strategy, we did brand strategy on each other. So we were able to figure out who am I? What do I like doing? What am I best at? So there's, you know, I could I could be doing a ton of video, I could be doing Instagram, but I look at how much energy do I have? How much interest in that thing do I have? How much talent do I have in that? And I realized that I actually really like to write. And so I concentrate on things that I know I'm really good at. And there is an ex exercise too. another, another way of figuring this out. Um, at the end of the year, I go over this exercise where I first think of my vision of what do I want the next year to be like? And so this, this coming year, you know, the 2020 that we're in right now, my vision is I want to be known as a brand strategist. I want to build my machine of my business so that it's sustainable. I want to be my own client. That's my vision. And I also outlined my five archetypes. So what do I naturally do? I coach. And so I call myself, you know, the coach, the innovator, the investigator, the observer, the sage. Those are my archetypes. And then I list it out all of the things that I do or could do that support those archetypes. 
And so I'm really trying to understand who am I, what do I do best? And then um, after that, I, I actually outline my focus for the year. So knowing who I am, knowing my vision, what should I be focusing on now? And that's when I outline um, if that's Instagram, if that's video, if that's blogging. So it's first knowing yourself, knowing who you are, knowing what you're good at, knowing where you want to head. And that will really help you to focus on exactly what it is that you should be doing. So that helps you know when to say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it doesn't align with my focuses, if it doesn't align with my archetypes and who I know myself to be, I say no. And when you say you're building up the machine of your business. Yeah. And specifically this year, because I'm pivoting more to teaching, I want to build the machine of that class that I'm teaching. And so that will look like I want to refine the product. So I want to make sure that the whole class is very streamlined and I am hiring. I hired someone to help me with that to, um, to help refine the class. So they actually will, will get on calls together and he'll ask me all these questions and pull out, okay, what should be in the course? What it should it look like? What resources do we need to, to be putting in here? So that's part of it is refining the product, um, I will be hiring some people to help with content marketing too. So taking all this content that I've already been a part of, so podcasting, video, writing, and how can we leverage everything I've already done and pump it out even more? So to get to fill the top of the funnel, to get more people aware of what I do and who I am. Um, so I eventually will be hiring more people for that. So um, learning how to to build a machine of marketing. So how do you pump out stuff? How do you post it? Having a schedule with that. Cause I'm very all over the place with when, um, when I post and when I write. <laughs> so I want to get more myself more on a schedule too, of like, okay, this is when I do Instagram. This is when I write my newsletter. This is, um, how someone could take that. So like an assistant, I do have an admin assistant too, who can take all of my writings and then distribute them across the different platforms. So those types of things, I really would love to get on a schedule with that and then delegate them to different people. That would be absolutely ideal. And does all of that scare you in any way? Oh, terrifies me. Yeah. <laughs> the the Instagram, the writing doesn't as much just because I've been doing it for the past couple of years. So I'm getting up really used to um, talking about what I do. So being on video, I'm much more comfortable being on video, usually other people's videos, so I don't have to edit it. Uh, and so that, that marketing is not as scary where I get really scared is like this, this new class that I'm coming out with. Like, what if nobody buys it? You know, I've done a beta course for it. Everyone loved it, but it was a much cheaper price. And so I'm looking at raising my price for it and I get scared, you know, whenever I pivot or whenever I do something really new, it terrifies me because I'm like, what if it, what if it doesn't work? What if nobody cares? What if nobody purchases? It's scary. It's very scary. It's been so good to chat to you. Make sure you go to beingfreelance.com, click through all of the links so that you can find out uh, what Melinda is up to. And, and you, do you trade as Melinda? I meant to ask you this earlier. Is it a company name? Oh, so I was using Marks and Maker for a while. When I switched to doing brand identity, I, I was using that name. So when I rebranded myself or when I really branded myself the first time, I was using Marks and Maker. I still use it on my website, but, you know, Melinda Livesey, Marks and Maker goes to the same place. But um, now that I'm getting known more as Melinda Livesey, I'm, I'm using that more so. So Interesting, because I know a lot of people, you know, we... we 
toss up should I have a company name should I be my own name what what was your feeling on it (laughs) I I was completely confused for so long and then I realized okay just pick something Melinda just pick whatever you want go forward but then once I started getting known more and known as my personal brand as Melinda Livesey that's when I realized okay I need and I looked at my Google Analytics too and the number one thing people were searching was my first and last name so I figured okay because now I'm getting known in the industry as myself and not through my business name, then I'm going to leverage that. I'm going to lean into that. But I would say for anyone wondering, pick, literally pick whatever you want and then move forward because action will create clarity. So that's my suggestion for anyone who's struggling. If you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Oh, learn how to market learn how to market yourself, get out there, learn how to do it. When you don't have client work, don't just sit around, like be working on your business and put the majority of your time in working on your business, learn how to work on your business, learn marketing, learn business development, learn business to, to help you. I I wish I would have started that sooner. Melinda, so good to talk to you. As I mentioned, beingfreelance.com is the website. Make sure you head there so that you can follow the links through and check out what Melinda is up to. Say hi to her. And while you're there as well at beingfreelance.com, don't forget there's the videos, there's the articles, there's a community. Click on the link, come join us. We've got the new book club uh, that you can come and join us on. We do the weekly non-employee of the week awards. You can be part of that, the live Q&As and so on and so forth. It would be so cool. Um, Melinda was talking about, um, you know, being part of community. You can come and uh, hang out with us as well. Whatever you do, being freelance, come and find us, beingfreelance.com. And if you're a freelance parent, check out the other podcast, Doing It For The Kids. It's only about 20 minutes long. It's a fun Q&A that myself and Frankie from the Doing It For The Kids community do. So that's Doing It For The Kids. You can search for that and hit subscribe as well. Uh, But for now, Melinda, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 